Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Perfectionism is not a personality quirk. Perfectionism is a pattern of reinforced behaviors that can seep into every aspect of your life. You may set certain standards for yourself, certain rules about how things are supposed to be, or how you're supposed to behave, or how you're supposed to perform in different areas of your life. And you may meet those standards for a while until they eventually and inevitably fell short. Then you feel crushed, then you criticize yourself, and then to drown out the negativity of this cycle, you set new goals, new expectations, and new standards for yourself. That's how the cycle of ineffective perfectionistic actions repeats and maintains itself. Hello everybody, this is Dr. Z and welcome back to another episode of the Planet Safe podcast. Here is an important clarification about perfectionism. There is nothing wrong with striving for doing things right and perfectly. That's natural when you deeply care about things and you deeply care about what matters to you. And as you have heard me saying before, it is ultra important that you learn to harness the power of perfectionistic actions without losing yourself. In this podcast episode, I chat with Dr. Monica Basco, and we chat about different topics related to perfectionism. A large part of our conversation clarifies how having high standards and being perfectionistic can be both beneficial and detrimental, and how finding the balance between the two of them is crucial. We also chat about the interplay between perfectionistic behaviors and procrastination as two sides of the same coin. Monica and I highlighted the fact that setting high goals is productive when you can tolerate failure. However, learning to pursue what matters and learning to let things go as the right thing to do is also important. And finally, we discuss ideas for you to conduct a functional analysis of your perfectionistic behaviors. Or, in other words, we discuss key questions for you to understand your drive to engage in perfectionistic actions. Like asking yourself, what is my mind trying to protect me right now? This was a very special conversation because Monica is a well-published author 
a very well-known psychologist, and I have been following her work for years. So I really, really hope that you listen to the episode from the beginning to the end. And if you find this episode helpful, I will very, very much appreciate if you can share this podcast with other people that will benefit from it. Thank you so much to all of you listening to the podcast. Now, let's jump onto the conversation with Monica, and I wish you a great day. Bye-bye. Clients who struggle with perfectionistic actions, high-achieving behaviors, are very focused on the idea of working hard, doing the extra things, going above and beyond what is expected from them, because they are attached to their sense of self, defined by their accomplishments by their successes or their failures. Sure. How do you work with that? What would you recommend so, people? It's a, a very good question. So I actually think there's two groups of people. So there are people who might call, may call themselves perfectionists or may not, that do exactly what you're saying, that over-prepare, that are very careful not to make mistakes, that try to give their best performance or response or at work as they as possibly can as they possibly can then there's another group of people who are actually quite self-confident um, and over preparation is not really their problem uh, because they feel like whatever they do it's going to turn out well they have a great deal of confidence in their ability their knowledge their ability to, to work without a tremendous amount of preparation or additional preparation and they, and they don't necessarily hold themselves to perfectionistic standards Whereas the first group, people who are, who are more careful, less confident, are the ones who really try to put out that extra effort. And so there's, I think there's a, the, what you do is different depending on which group. So I think there's a reason for the lack of confidence. And so I do cognitive behavior therapy. That's my area of, of therapy. It's been my area of research. And cognitive behavior therapy focuses a lot on how people perceive or think about situations. So... Um, there's a lot of meaning attached to being perfect or doing the best you can. There's also meaning attached to making a mistake. And some will see that as just uh, an unacceptable, humiliating experience, even if the mistake is small. So that's the group that will put out their effort. So I think that's not it's not unreasonable to put out a lot of effort. I mean, if you think about it, it's you, you do get your best performances and your best products by doing the very best you possibly can. So I don't think that's necessarily a problem. It's only a problem when that over-preparation gets in the way. It, it stops people from being able to do their best because in spite of great preparation, they may still lack confidence in their ability. So that's when you've got a mismatch between what you, how you perceive yourself and how you actually are. And mm -hmm. so in that situation, you're trying to figure out where the limit is, where preparation really is enough. Um, and then walk away from it. And the walking away from it part is partly reminding yourself that you've already prepared. Uh, mm -hmm. Partly it has to do with trying to re reduce your own anxiety levels in the various ways that one can, whether it's meditation or relaxation or exercise or just watch binge watching television as a way of relaxing. Those are okay to do if they help you get off the track of over-preparing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes some people think of perfectionists as a shame-based struggle, 
because behind all these efforts to over-prepare, to make the best decision, to work harder and harder, those are coping strategies to man and the fear of making mistakes, the fear of being a failure, and the shame that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And it is very common that people who are prone to these type of behaviors, they will also set goals that are sometimes are very high. Yes. Most of us like the idea of a new challenge and like the idea of setting goals. I certainly have my quarterly goals. I have my values-based goals, of course. Sure. The problem is when people are not aware of what's the optical amount of difficulty for challenges. How will you clarify that for people or do you have any mm-hmm. tips for that? When a good goal is really within our zone that is going to push us and help us to learn versus the burnout zone. So I, I, I think what you're asking is in part, mm-hmm. um, how do you know when you are an overachiever as opposed to an achiever? Okay, so you're interviewing an overachiever here. So <laughs> I will tell you from my experience as both a clinician, but as just a person who sets really high goals. In fact, I was I'm running a, a working group and we had a meeting last week. And I was, we were trying out a new strategy for coming to a decision and it wasn't working very smoothly. And so somebody said, let's, that's not working. Let's try something else. And so I, I did not, I continued on the same path to see what we could learn from something that didn't work so well. So that's one strategy. You set a high goal, you approach the unknown and if it goes well, it's fine. And if it doesn't go well, then that's fine too. You might learn something. And at some point you decide to change a strategy. Mm -hmm. So perfectionism is a little bit different. So that high achieving perfectionistic kind of goal setting means I must be the absolute best and I must not make mistakes. I actually have perfectionism in some pockets of my life and some of my aspects, but not that particular one. So I told my group, we were meeting last week, that I have a general approach to new achieving new goals. And that is that anything is possible until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. So for me, that doesn't, so if, it, if I fail, it's okay, well, that didn't work, let's try something else because I have the confidence to go on and to try it. And I don't expect myself to do everything. And I certainly don't expect myself to do everything the first time, mm-hmm. maybe after several different tries. So I think part of that is challenge. So to answer your question, that's a long answer for a short question, but I, um, to, cha- to challenge, I think what you do is you have to think about um, how much um, failure you can tolerate Mm -hmm. So it's okay to have really high goals if you're okay with the possibility of not achieving them and having to go to plan B. So that's one of the things you might think about is is what's your level of tolerance of Mm -hmm. failure. Some people have very little tolerance and so they won't set extremely high goals necessarily because they could flop. Mm -hmm. Others really feel confident about themselves and they are willing to do it and they push themselves because they expect a great deal from one from themselves. And often that comes from a lifetime of being successful and others having high expectations for you as well. So I would probably, it it wouldn't probably occur to me as an individual and as a clinician to not set a reasonably high goal and to shoot for a lower level because I have more confidence, but that's, that's me. So Mm -hmm. an overly high goal depends on your perception of the failure of it. So I think you have to explore that possibility that if you can, again, tolerate not doing perfectly well, then it's okay to, it's okay to overachieve. It's okay to set it too high. It's okay to fall on your face. Maybe you learn something in the process. And I think essentially we, 
uh, as I think as a culture, expect everybody to do well in everything that they do. And we don't have a lot, we don't have a high tolerance for people who fail or who flop or who misspeak. You're challenging essentially a, the, again, the meaning of what it is to not do well. So if you can tolerate it, if you can tolerate not being perfect for a little while, or at least in that pocket that you're setting goals, then I would say, go for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was nodding and smiling and I was um, thinking also about my own experience. Um, I keep track of all the outreach I do. So I know how many rejections I get. And I can ah, okay. sheet and I keep track sure. of this person say no, this organization say call back or email back. Sure. And I remember last year when I look at this sheet, there were over 200 rejections. Okay. 200 rejections. To me, my mindset is that that's the game of doing what matters. You knock mm-hmm. on some doors and sometimes people will open the door. Sometimes the door won't ever open. There are times in which, of course, it was hurtful to hear a no or to not hear back, sure. right? Sure. And I did have some self-doubt thoughts. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, then the question for me was asking, why is it so important for me to pursue this? What's my value mm-hmm. behind this? What really matters to me behind this? When I answer myself the question, when I tap into the purpose of what I'm pursuing, mm-hmm. then the sadness, the frustration of receiving a rejection is worth it for me. So I think that is... That but is that the- wouldn't be true for everybody, right? If someone look at the purpose of what they're trying to accomplish, see the, the rejections and say, this is not worth it. That's and right. It's not worth taking the frustration or whatever, assuming other people know that you've been rejected by 200 of whatever unit that is. Someone some would decide. That's right. And that's my question. So there are times in which for me, even though I was pursuing something that matters, I had to let it go because yep. that was the effective decision. And other times I continue pursuing longer sure. until I reach a point where we say, okay, plan A didn't work. I am mm-hmm. going to adapt and adjust mm-hmm. and try mm-hmm. plan B. It's still within my values. Mm-hmm. So... How would you encourage people to make this distinction? Sure. You're looking at the, um, the, the point at which it becomes more painful than it's worth, mm-hmm. the point at which it causes you emotional distress, and it's, it may be helping to accomplish a particular goal, but it may be the cost may be too high. So if I can accomplish what I'm trying to do in a, let's say in a work environment, something that's really important. And if it's importance on a scale, seems like it's one of the most important things I can do. So I'm going to really push hard for that. If mm-hmm. I try something else in a workplace that is not that important to me, maybe only moderately important to others, and I keep running into obstacle after obstacle and frustrate, and I find that it's taking up the time that I need to uh, to do other good things, other good works, then mm-hmm. that's the turning point. So it's sort of decision points you're making. You're weighing the value of what you're trying to achieve against all the things you're trying to achieve. So you're prioritizing. Mm-hmm. You're figuring out how much risk tolerance you have. I'm going to push this through until the very end, until I get my way or until others see the light. Mm-hmm. And I've d- certainly done that and then still <laughs> did not accomplish the goal. And at some point you have to say, okay, it's time to step back do something else, come back at this another time, perhaps when a better opportunity presents itself. In part, it's like it you have to take it out of the realm of, 
I have a goal. I want to pursue it to why do I want to <laughs> pursue it? And what's it worth to me? And here are the things and to, and to consciously ask yourself, what do I have to give up in order to pursue this goal? Do I, is it worth the frustration? Is it worth the time? Is it worth the cost? <laughs> Other kinds of costs like monetary costs. Sometimes it will be, and sometimes it won't. And you'll have to consciously decide as opposed to being goal driven in a sense where that's just who you become the person who just constantly pursues, which is okay. If, if you can tolerate the, the failures that go along the way or the less than complete successes. So it just depends on you as an individual. I think also, I will tell you for myself, I, I'm retired now, so I can talk about these things in retrospect. Mm. There were some times when a, a work goal or a personal goal was extremely important to me. And I didn't care what obstacle what was in my way. I was going to keep pursuing and I did, and it was worth, and it caused tremendous wear and tear, but it was worth it. And I did it. And I'm glad I did it. I look back on it and I say, wouldn't do it any differently if I had to face the same challenge again. There are other things that you look back on and you say, you know what? I wasted so much time on something I had no control over ultimately where the I was the only person really pushing a particular idea or task. So it was all about me. Um, I didn't have the self-awareness that this was going to fail because I wasn't really, I was so focused on my own desire to pursue something that I perceived as important, that I wasn't paying attention to the world around me was saying, mm, not so much. We had higher priorities than the idea that I had. So I think I can see that now in retrospect. And I think there's an advantage of falling on your face enough times that you've learned, and I certainly have. You learn how to really step back and think about how your goal fits into the larger scheme of your own life and the people that you're working with, if it involves others. You learn to really take feedback from other people and get their opinions on whether something is valuable or not. People who know you well enough to say, I've seen you do this before and this doesn't go so well for you. Remember the time you did A, B, and C. And taking that feed, taking feedback into consideration is a very valuable and fairly simple tool that most people can use. And, and then weighing all those before you charge forward and, and self-monitoring along the way. So if you find that in your pursuit of success in whatever realm you are, it's taking a toll that's not, you have to reevaluate its worth, or you have to take that larger goal and maybe cut it into smaller pieces and ask yourself if you can be satisfied with accomplishing a, a small portion of it now. And mm -hmm. save, saving the rest for another time. So it's just assuming that you really don't know everything. That's right. And, and you aren't always right. And everything that you think is important, the rest of the world may not, mm -hmm. um, may not be a priority. And taking that feedback into consideration. And, mm -hmm. and then, and also trusting people who say, you look exhausted. Or you're not taking care of these other things that are important and getting negative feedback, taking all of that seriously and, and having to step back and reflect on whether you're pursuing the right goals. Mm -hmm. I remember this psychologist, Adam Grant, he's an organizational psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, he has two podcasts, uh, Think Again and um, Work-Life Balance or something like that. Mm -hmm. and talks about how he has a close group of friends, like a board of directors, that he can run things by yes. them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that is very important sure. to, to yep. check ourselves. Because you're right, sometimes we are going to relate to our passions, our values and goals in a very obsessive way and not flexibly. And people around us may know this. And yeah. hopefully we're open to receive that feedback. 
as you were talking, I also was thinking how many times sometimes people who are overly attached to successes, they set goals for themselves based on others' performance, not in their context, not based on their learning history. Because there's a lot of comparison thought. Oh, this person accomplished this. This person is running faster than I. This person is running 200 miles a week. So I should be able to do that. Their frame of reference is know their own individual context or their biology or their social cultural history. Any tips to manage these comparisons and setting goals based on others' performance versus one's yeah. performance? No, I get that. So I, let me answer a, a general question before I get to the specific about the goal, setting a goal. Okay. Um, I think that there are tremendous advantages to being perfectionistic. And I yeah. think there are tremendous disadvantages and both in the extremes. And so I would say that setting a goal for yourself to do as much as or not or more than someone else in your that you aspire to compete against. I think that's actually perfectly reasonable. And a lot of times, very successful people want to be wealthier, smarter, faster, quicker, have more likes on their social media than somebody else. And that's not an unreasonable thing. It comes at a cost because the more you put yourself out there, the more likely you are to experience the, 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 the opposite where things are not successful. In terms of so, I, that's, so that's to say, I think that all of the things we're talking about, standards and expectations, it's definitely not a negative. It, there's definitely a balance between the pluses and the minus. In terms of, but let's say your goal is something that is, it's not leading you to be a better person. It doesn't make you more competent, more skilled. It doesn't help you boost your own self-esteem. It, you just feel compelled to beat out someone. There can be a negative side. I, was, I raised children. I have three sons who are now all adults. But there were plenty of times when the kids were in a competitive environment and there were all these parents around you whose kid was quicker, faster, smarter, or and sometimes it was my kid who was quicker, faster, and smarter. And you can see how the stress created within the parent so that's an example of setting it a goal that really has to do with somebody else's performance you have no control over. And sometimes that can lead you to parent in a way that might encourage competition, but not necessarily in a healthy way. So that's when you have to have some self-awareness to see if the positive side of perfectionism, that pursuit of high achievement and having high expectations to see if it really applies to the other areas of your life and it doesn't cause damage. And it does require some self-evaluation and reflection on where those things fit. And mm -hmm. when it causes, when it's causing problems or you're creating uh, distress in others because of your pursuit of perfection, then that's, it may be time to Set that as your limit. That is your indicator that this is really not a good pursuit. So you have to ask yourself what you're doing to your family, to your kids, to your boss, to your coworkers, to your teammates, to your lab partner, whoever it is that you work with, that may be putting an undue pressure on them and unnecessary pressure. And then make your decision from, from that point. Now, sometimes it's going to be worth it for yeah. everybody. And sometimes it's really not, but it's not an all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with you. A couple of days ago, I was giving a webinar on acceptance and commitment therapy for perfectionism. And, mm -hmm. and I was clarifying that the last 20 years, when I look at the 
as social media and pop psychology, we have demonized perfectionists, right? What tell people you have to drop those standards, let go. And I was telling people, imagine you tell Roger Federer that. Mm-hmm. Imagine you tell, you tell, <laughs> you tell Serena William, drop your. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're working so hard. We will get, get fired, right? And yeah. my whole is that I think there is certainly a group of people that deeply care about their values. And because they deeply care, of course, they want to do things right and perfectly. It just happens that they don't discriminate when they have to pursue doing things right and perfectly. Yes. And when letting things go yeah. is also the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so I think I totally agree. I was wondering if we can chat a little bit about the intersection of perfectionistic behaviors and procrastination. Oh, yes. I love talking about procrastination. <laughs> my favorite story about procrastination is that one of my book editors asked me to write on uh, write about a book on perfectionism. So I kept procrastinating on it. It took me several years to even get started. So um, <laughs> that's funny. I mean, it's says something about what it's okay to procrastinate some of the time and, and some of the right. time not to. But the <laughs> I think when you're trying to do as best you can in a situation, you're trying to, and then you have, let's say, perfectionistic qualities. And this is true for, we, we will maybe, perhaps we'll talk a bit about imposter phenomenon because I think it applies to that group as well. But there seems to be, when you're faced with a goal or a task or a chore or a commitment or a pursuit, and if it seems daunting it too difficult too time consuming or you're telling yourself I don't think I can do it I don't think I I'm good enough I don't think I'm fast enough I don't think I'm smart enough their one response might be to really dig in and try to do it perfectly but a more knee-jerk reaction or a more more natural response might be to just put it off why would you intentionally dive into something that's more complicated than you can handle and if it's not fun add that to it um, if it's not going to be enjoyable for you, then I can just put it off for a little bit longer. It's uh, so there's so sometimes when you without even thinking, we can set up standards for ourselves of performance that can be and the standard can be too high. And if you do it all the time with all the things that you do, or if you do it in your work world, it's easy to do it at home and vice versa. Is there, if you're accustomed to to just thinking along the lines of setting high goals and being a high achiever and wanting to do things perfectly. It it comes second nature to you, but it's also overwhelming if the chance if the task you are attempting to pursue is too big and too hard. And it, and if you're telling yourself, even without consciously telling yourself, you're setting an expectation of how it needs to be perfect, it can be exhausting before you even begin. And so it's a natural response to say, I don't want to deal with it right now. I'm not that I'm not going to ever do it. I don't want to deal with it right now. I can't mm-hmm. handle that right now. It's not important enough. I'll do it later. I'll get to it. So there's, so that's how they're connected to one another. The standard then leads to some kind of coping behavior. And sometimes the coping behavior is to say, I'm not jumping into that. And having said that, I will tell you that sometimes procrastinating on something that you're trying to do perfectly might be okay and adaptive. In fact, it may be that what you're really tapping into is what you're asking yourself to do or what someone else is asking you to do is not reasonable Mm -hmm. or not worth your time or energy or 
not really the next useful thing you could do with your time. You can do several things that may not be the best use of your time. So again, it's not an all or nothing phenomenon. So you can put putting things off and procrastinating can be adaptive and useful if it gives you time to reflect. It also may give somebody else a chance to step in and take the lead on something you really don't want to do. So there's a place for it. That's right. As long as it doesn't become your primary way of coping with the universe so that you find yourself procrastinating on everything. If you have the awareness that you're setting perfectionistic expectations for yourself whenever you have to face challenges and in yourself that you're likely to not want to deal with it right away because it's overwhelming and you're aware of that, then you have the ability to step back, reflect and ask yourself if that's what you're doing. Am I procrastinating because I really don't want to do this? Am I procrastinating because I have now created a task that's so big and overwhelming that I couldn't possibly meet my own standard? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's truly not enjoyable at that point in time. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. I think those that's how they're connected to one another. Yeah, yeah. I am thinking that the, these key questions are so important to understand more academically speaking, the function of our behavior, right? Yes, absolutely. In terms will be like, what's really driving me to postpone, to delay, to procrastinate? Mm-hmm. What's really yeah. behind? Um, you know, as I practice ACT, I will ask my clients to check, what is your mind trying to protect you from right now? That yeah, is that it's not ready, not good enough, right? So mm-hmm. I think unpacking that, that is key. Um Often I hear thoughts like, it's not ready, I need one more day, people will think it's not good, it's missing something, I need to research for more information, it's not ready, my idea is not clear. And there is a discrepancy between what people are working on and what their Mm -hmm. mind is telling them. In addition to these questions, checking what's the function or the driver of these Mm -hmm. behaviors, will you encourage them to do something else? That's a good question. So I think it takes a lot of insight to be able to do a functional analysis of your behavior. And when you're trained in graduate school as a psychologist, you learn that, especially if you're in a behaviorally oriented type of training program, you learn that fairly early on. Um, And so it becomes second nature. I don't think it's second nature for more people. That's true. Uh, (laughs) So so I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I can answer your question for the average person, I think some people are psychologically minded. Now, you can give people some tools, as you probably do in your therapy. And, and you can say one of the questions is, if I'm doing a functional analysis about, of a particular behavior, I'm asking myself, what am I getting out of this? And what am I, uh, what, what's the downside of this? What's the, what is the repercussion of doing this particular thing? So I can, I can look at both the pros and cons of pursuing a particular line of thinking or a particular task uh, mm-hmm. or trying to be perfectionistic or try all of it. I mean, some people are, I think more people are familiar with the language of weighing the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. The harder part is where does this fit? Cause that does take a little bit more self-awareness than I think the average not clinically trained person has, unless they read, you know, they may read about it, but I'm saying it's just not something I think we learn about in elementary school. I don't think. Uh, oh no! Although we should, uh, that will be lovely. Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe we should. Maybe we, maybe we should. That's oh, not self-aware. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Thanks for listening. 
If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website playingwithsafe.com. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing it safe actions. See you soon!